it can change your life forever. And if you don't believe that, then you might as well, you're dismissed. Have a great day. God bless you. I mean, if you're getting ready to sit through a message that you don't think can do any, has the power to do anything in your life, well, then why stay, right? But we know that the Word of God can come to life and change our lives. Amen. And so the direction where you're headed can be changed today. And the direction is important because that's exactly what repentance is. Repentance is, the Greek word is that metneo, that turning away, a change. So if you notice, if I'm heading one direction and I turn, notice that my direction has changed, but my location has not. I'm still in the same spot. A lot of times we say, well, I came to this church and I prayed and I said a prayer and I thought that by tomorrow it would be different. But sometimes it's not. I've seen people miraculously delivered set free in one moment. But sometimes it's that I've now made a decision, but things still kind of look the same. I've just changed my path on where I'm headed. And that's what direction, that's what repentance is. You know, because direction is everything. Someone could be in church, but headed on their way out of church. Another could be out of church, headed on their way into church. And think for a moment, because the person heading out of the church can for a moment look a little bit more put together and spiritual than the person that's out headed in. But guess what? The person that's headed from out headed in is in a better place than the person that's in headed out. Direction is everything. And so I want to start by just saying this phrase. It sounds so elementary, but Jesus Christ wants to forgive your sins. That, that is exactly how I expected that to go over. Meaning, yeah, cool, we, we know that. Anybody that's ever been around a church, yeah, cool, forgiveness of sins. That's, that's a popular theological Christian topic. And so we hear that, yeah, neat, awesome, believe it, totally understand it. But that's something that most Christians take for granted. But where in the world would we be without that phrase? Jesus Christ wants to forgive you for your sins. Wow. Thank God for that. This morning, I want to talk on this topic, forgiven and free. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we need you today. God, I believe you've got a word for at least one person, either in person, online. I think there's more. But God, I know that you're getting ready to do something over the next little while here before we leave. You're going to do something just so powerful and so miraculous. Let us have a, just a mindset of expectation, Father, for what it is that you are going to do. And Lord, anoint me in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. There's a theme throughout Scripture, throughout the entire Bible, and I can't take you through the whole thing, but just look at a couple things and tell me if you can pick up that theme. Look at the Old Testament, Proverbs 28, 13. It says, He that covereth sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and... Turn from there. So guess what that's called too? Repentance. That's the turning. That's the, I'm going a different direction. Direction is key. From their wicked ways, then I will hear that from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. He was calling his people constantly throughout scripture, calling them back to a, a turn away from sin. And, and just looking at that Old Testament, those two passages, that doesn't take into account all of the stories of the Old Testament where God's people said, I'm going to serve you. And then they turned away and they backslid. And then God sent a prophet and called them back. And then they repented and came back to God. And then they turned away. And then God sent a prophet and called them back. And they came back. And then they turned away throughout the whole Old Testament. 
God was always calling sinful people back to himself. Do you know the topic of Jesus' first public message? He goes out into the wilderness. He's tempted of the, the devil 40 days. He's out there fasting. And, and he comes out of that time and steps into public ministry. And the very first message he preaches is in Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Guess what the purpose was of him coming? He talks about that in, in Luke 5. Jesus answering them said, They that are whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. Guess what Peter preached in Acts 3.19? He says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God, that your sins might be wiped away. Then he says later, as he writes his second letter, 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Guess what Paul preached? 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Now, I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you. He's talking about previous letter. He said, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so you were not harmed by us in any way. Why are they all preaching this same message? Old Testament, Jesus, Peter, Paul. Why are they all preaching this? Why are they all emphasizing this? Luke 15 says, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of God over one sinner that repenteth. Do you know that if you're here and you have never repented of your sins, you can make that decision to turn and repent of your sins. And it literally causes a, a heaven-wide party where angels are going, another one repented, God. Another one repented. And there's rejoicing in heaven over one person that repents. So... So yeah, well, we did all this stuff. Only one person came. Well, I, I, I want to teach a Bible study. Only one person came. I taught a Sunday school class. There was only one there. Well, guess what? You could preach a whole message on only one because only one in Scripture matters. And so there's this, this is because it's not just a one-time response at a church service, but it's, repentance is a change of mind. It's a decision to go a different direction. Sure, I might not wake up and be perfect tomorrow, but I've made a decision once I repented that I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not, I'm not heading that direction. I'm going a different direction. I might not look like what I want to look like today, but just give me a few months, a few years. I'm going toward Jesus Christ. And if you're here, if you're living in sin, God took on flesh, dwelt among us, paid the price so that you could come to an altar and repent of your sins and turn away from sin. A simple change of mind and direction will determine the future for you and your family. And if you're here and you've walked this way a long time, you're like, okay, yep, heard this. Great. I believe it. It's fine. I see it in the Bible. I've experienced it. Good stuff. Absolutely. I want you to take a moment, though, and pay attention to not only your location, but what direction are you headed? Well, I've lived this way a long time. Bless God, I serve here. I spoke here. I've done this. I've been in ministry. I give. I do. Great. Awesome. But what direction? Where right now, where are you heading? Now, where are you at? Well, yeah, because I'm here. I'm, I'm on church. I'm, I'm always here. I, I serve. I do these things. No, not just the location, but where is your direction? Right now, if you continue on your same path, where are you heading? But everything that I've said right now leads me to this very important transition in this message. I know a lot of believers who have read and understood the concept of repentance. They believe it. They've done it. They know it's biblical, powerful, real. Those are many of you. But some of these people have still left church. And not only left the church, but walked away from God and his plan for their life. Here is why. Because they kept repenting for the same thing. And they continued to struggle. With the same thing. And they felt bad for continuing to come back because it appeared as nothing was changing. So they just left. 
They had changed their direction at initial repentance and turned back. But the location wasn't changing fast enough that months or years later, they said, man, I feel like I'm still in the same spot. And so instead of continuing to press on, they turned again and said, I'm going to go back to what I used to be. I'm going to return to the lifestyle I used to live. And so they changed their direction once again and headed backward. And God's having me preach this message to someone here in person and online or online. And you have been struggling. You have been tripping over the same exact thing. And you can't seem to shake it. And there's so much condemnation. You're facing it constantly because you know it's sin. You've repented for it over and over and over again. But I just keep falling. And I just, I've tried. I've been at that altar. I've said, God, take this from me. Help me. And I just keep tripping and falling. And I've gotten to the point now where I don't know why I keep trying. So I've just stopped trying. I'm here to tell you. Don't give up. Don't give up. God spoke something to me so clearly this past week. And he said, I don't only want to forgive them. I want to set them free. Because guess what? I believe there is a big difference. There's a difference between forgiveness and freedom. Forgiveness, and, and, and this is why some people who love Jesus believe in repentance, but they will give up on the church or they will give up on God. They know who they are when no one can see them. And so this is not just, oh, some person that we think sinners like have a certain look. And that's wrong. Because guess what? There are people that look so put together, serving in leadership positions, doing things in churches across America. And they are ashamed and embarrassed because they are struggling every single day with something that no one knows about. And so in their head, they're going, I know who I am when no one sees me. And so what will happen is even though they know they are forgiven, they realize they are not free. And so that impacts their walk with God, their ministry, their relationship with God, their ability to make disciples because they believe what the concept is and they say, God, forgive me. God, please forgive me. God, I repent of my sins. But we've said this so much, but we leave and struggle with something behind closed doors that we feel like no one can ever. But that makes us go, I'm forgiven. But I know deep down, I'm not free. And there's something that is keeping them bound. I'm saying them, but I'm saying you. There's someone I'm speaking with love to you. Someone here or online. And it's anger, depression, substances, pornography, bitterness, doubt, fear. And what happens is that person gets so sick of hearing the same messages. Why? Not because they don't believe it, but because it's, I, I believe in the freedom. I see it. I've tried. I've gone to the altar. I've tried. But I'm just not living free. And I'm telling you today that Jesus Christ is speaking an entire message right at you to let you know you don't have to just live forgiven. You also can live John 8.36 says, so if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. When Jesus goes back to his boyhood home of Nazareth, he walks in for the first time. No doubt there's whispers. Hey, there's that guy that was the carpenter's son. I remember him when he was just this little big. And, oh, I remember you and you. I used to teach you Sunday school. I, you know, all that stuff. So he shows up and he rolls open the scroll and he goes to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And when he came to the village of, Is uh, of Nazareth, his boyhood home, it says he opens up Isaiah, the scroll, verse 17, and he reads in verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. I know somebody that day just showed up thinking they were hearing a scripture reading. You know, like you go to a funeral or a wedding, and, and now we're going to have a scripture reading. Let's go to the book of, and they read it and sit down. You're like, all right. That's probably what they were expecting, but Jesus had a little bit more authority when it was his own word. He says, it's upon me. He says, he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And that time of the Lord's favor has come. And he rolled that scroll back up and he handed it to the attendant. He sat down and no doubt why were all eyes at intently focused on him? Why was everyone staring at him? This wasn't the first time scriptures were read in a synagogue or a temple? No, but they could tell there was something different about the way this scripture was read. So everybody's staring at this man called Jesus as he sat there, and people are looking in the verse. next verse. It says, they began to speak to them, and he said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. And then, oh, we got to kill this guy. Who does he think he is? He knew who he was. He was the man that said, I'm going to take on flesh to go there to set people who are in bondage, people who are addicted, people who are struggling. I came to set them free once and for all. We know forgiveness, and we say, that's why I don't really get you too excited. I say, Jesus came, and he wants to forgive your sins. I mean, yeah, what do you want me to do? I've heard that my whole life, and I believe it. I'm, I'm with you. Cool. Yes. Kind of like Jesus died on a cross today. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Good stuff. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. What do you want me to do? It sounds good. But what we forget is we're content to live forgiven but not free. But you first need victory in your mind. God wants you to have victory in your mind more than anything else. Wounds, wounds may remain. No doubt if I said right now, I don't want to see the raise of hands because it's personal. But no doubt if I said, if I said, make comments online. Or I said, today, how many of you have ever been seriously wounded? I'm not talking about just serving in a battle or a war or serving our country. And, and I'm thankful for everybody who's done that. But I'm talking about how many of you have been wounded by behaviors, people in your life that should have been something and they weren't. Or they should have done something and they didn't or they should have never done that and they did and they did it to you and there still are emotional or physical scars real stuff and so stuff that you try to mask behind addictive behaviors people will then say you know what I've been hurt you don't understand what I've gone through and in some cases I can sit in my office and listen to people's stories and I don't fully understand because I didn't have that happen to me but there are people in your life who have who have wronged you and they've done things to you and so then people will say well then the only thing I can do is I turn to drugs and sex and porn and various substances as coping mechanisms and and they've learned that behaviors, that, that they've learned behaviors that are now stored in their brain, that their brain will say, hey, this just happened to you. It's time to turn to a substance. This just happened. It's that time of day. It's time to jump online and look at images. It's that time of day. You need that to get you going today. And so the brain has been wired because of experiences and trauma and you've turned to something else and the brain is saying, it's time to do that. It's time to participate in that. And so now your brain is telling you things that are against the will of God for your life. God created the pleasure center of the brain to achieve the ultimate elation when we come into worship, into relationship with him. It's the only thing that will give lasting fulfillment. I hear preachers, and they mean well when they say, oh, bless God, you don't need sin. Sin ain't fun. And I'm like, yes, it is. Let's be real. 
Okay? Is sin fun? You better believe it. There's times that you're going to go out and you are going to have a blast. It's going to be so much fun. But guess what? 24 hours later, 36 hours later, just a couple months, couple years, you're going to wake up and realize something still ain't right. There's still an empty part of my heart. That was a fun run for the last few weeks. But all of a sudden, I'm sick and tired of waking up in beds where I don't know the person who's sleeping next to me. I'm sick and tired of waking up not knowing where my car is. I'm sick and tired of going to doctors because I got a, I got a disease now that I got to look into. I'm sick and tired of waking up in the middle of the night to have a cigarette because I can't sleep through a night without getting nicotine in my bloodstream. It's fun for a season, but nothing will fulfill us like Jesus Christ. He's the only one that gives lasting fulfillment. But unfortunately, when people, especially young people, experience rejection of family, it's real. They experience abuse, either physical, emotional, or sexual. And trauma from when no one responds to their cries from help. And a lot of times that happens. That child, that young person feels like, it's my fault. I did this. And there's this stigma. I can't tell anybody. Nobody can know about what happened to me. I got a, I got a American culture. We celebrate when somebody rolls up their sleeves and says, you can't knock me down. I'm strong. Can't get, can't, can't get to me. I'm going to keep moving. And so I can't show my weakness. I can't go to anybody and say, this person touched me improperly. Or this person did this. Or I got involved with this and and so I struggle with these things and so I gotta act like like I got it all together and no one can know real stuff right they feel like they have only themselves to meet their own needs that's not the case of course Jesus Christ is not only there to meet needs that's why he gives us a church he says, I'm going to graft you into a tree. You're going to bear one another's burdens. You're going to confess your faults one to another. He says, you're going to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We don't like that concept at church. Our concept sometimes is, no, you show up on Sundays and Wednesdays, stare straight ahead, sing good songs, listen to hopefully a good message, and leave and go get lunch. That's my concept of a church. But God says, no, church sometimes is just, it's just, it's, it's ugly. What do you mean it's ugly? There's sin and there's brokenness and there's hurt. But my Lord, if we can't have that in the church, where are they going to go? There has to be an environment when somebody says, I had this done to me. I'm broken, I'm hurt, and I'm struggling. And we say, my, yeah, I might not even fully understand, but I'm going to listen. And we're going to pray and let's get together regularly. Not just one time Sunday morning. I'll pray for you and then I don't talk to you again for a few months. And I'm like, I wonder what happened to her. You know, I just hope it was going all right. But this is the reality we deal with in our world. So addictive behaviors will hijack the brain's pleasure system and interfere with its intended purpose to connect with God and be in relationship and worship with God. Instead, the brain is trained to tell the hurting person the only way that you can deal with the trauma of what happened to you is to go and take shots of vodka, is to go to the bars, it's to go shoot up, it's to go snort coke, it's to turn to porn, it's to do these things. This is very realistic stuff. I'm dealing with hopefully you're all right with that the only way there is to receive true healing from God is to to have him not only forgive us but to set us free you see just like repentance begins in the mind it's a change of mind change of thinking that's what repentance is freedom though also begins in the mind we have to change the way we think. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you. Yeah, I want that, but how? How does God transform me into the new person? They tell us, by changing the way you think. The only way that you are transformed into a new person is not, it's not just by jumping in this water. It's not just by coming to church every Sunday. That will help the transformation process, and God commands us to do so. To not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, even do it more as the day's approaching. And to provoke one another to love and good works. Notice, church was not just about attending a service. It was hand-in-hand hand with ministering to other people. 
But I don't just jump in there and say, I'm changed. Woo, great. If my thinking does not change, the only way I become a new person is to transform the way I think. Then you'll learn God's will for you. If your thinking will change, your behavior will change. If your thinking does not change, your behavior doesn't change, and you end up a person who's always at an altar saying, God, forgive me. God, please forgive me. God, I'm sorry I did it again. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me because I want to be forgiven, but I'm content not being free. Some of us are begging God, Lord, set me free. Oh, God, set me free. Help me. Guess what? You're asking God to do something he already has done. When he went to Calvary, he was hung on a cross, shed blood, and died for the very purpose that you and I could be free. And so when we start saying, oh, God, I just want you to set me free, it's like we come here and we put on handcuffs and we come in an altar. God, I messed up this week. Oh, God, I did it again. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And he says, Oh, absolutely. You're free. And we go, wow. Thank you, Jesus. We leave and drive off. You know what we often do? Where are those handcuffs? Come back next Sunday. God, oh, Lord, I just want to be free. I just wish I could be free. And you go, well, I just set you free. Why you get the handcuffs back on? Because I've gotten content coming to an altar asking for forgiveness. But I never actually changed the way I think. Our minds have to change. We have to get away from the addicted mentality. Hear me, because this is powerful. The one that says going back is still an option. Let me explain. When you're struggling with a vice or addiction... The only way you return to that after repentance and the infilling of the powerful spirit of God is to mentally contemplate the action as even being an option. For instance, when Adam and Eve were hanging around the tree that God said, don't eat from that tree, eat from every other tree, just don't eat from that one. And so Eve and Adam... He, I'm, I'm not blaming Eve, she says, and she gave to that man that was with her, so they're both at fault. But Eve, she says, you know, I'm going for a walk with the dog. Or at that point, I guess he'd say, I'm going to go take the lion for a walk. You know? You stop, and that tree's there. I don't know if they obey commands. You know, lions sit. She just looks. And the next day, maybe she rides out the zebra. <clears throat> she stops, looks at the tree. Huh. No, I can't, I can't, no, I can't do that. And eventually, I came around the tree, and I stared at it long enough. You don't commit adultery the first time you meet somebody. Before she ever walked over, before she touched fruit, before she bit into fruit, before she handed Adam fruit, before they worked together. You don't just slip and trip and fall on a needle that shoots into your vein and take drugs. There comes a moment where you look at something long enough and you think it in your brain, no, I can't, that's not good enough. That's, I don't want to do, no, that's not. Something transforms in my brain that says that that's actually an option. That's actually an option to drink that, to wash that, to shoot that, to, to sleep with that. That's, that's actually an option. Huh. And that is when we now have turned our direction. Eve's direction turned long before she ever pulled a piece of fruit off a tree. 
Because in the brain, that became something that was at least on the table for discussion. You see, we have to replace the thoughts with promises and the hope from God because when your brain starts saying it's time for a cigarette, it's time to watch porn, it's time to head to the bar for happy hour, it's time to take opioids to put you to sleep so you can rest better, we have to begin to replace that because our brain is not just an emptying because when you say, oh, I've just repented, I just want to be a new person, but for the last 18 years of your life, you have been going to bars from 4 to 5 at happy hour and getting half price drinks, guess what? At 4 o'clock after you've repented, you can't just go home and be like, oh, God, I'm so... you got to find something to do from 4 to 5 that replaces what I used to do for 18 years, and I have to retrain my brain to say, that's why I worked in a restaurant for so many years. So many people that are going out for cigarette breaks, it's not just because, oh, my God, I'm addicted to cigarettes. No, it's just, hey... The dinner, the lunch rush is done. Everybody goes in the back and rolls silverware. What's it time to do? My brain says, time for a cigarette. Everybody goes out, goes into the break room, steps outside and smokes their cigarette. This is not just, oh my God, I'm addicted, I can't break free. No, my brain has been trained to think about certain time frames and situations, and this is what it now tells me to do. So I have to say, no, 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 i got to change the way I think. If I'm going to be different, God has now put his spirit in me. If you don't have that, you can have that before you leave today, which is awesome. And God's put his spirit in me, and now I have to transform the way I think. And the way I used to live is no longer an option. It's not even something that I consider anymore. It's not something that I say, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. And if that doesn't work, then I'm going to go back to the way I used to live. No, because it's just a matter of time. I'm not even prophetic. You're going to backslide. You're going to return to that way of life. It's not because I'm being prophesying or because I'm being negative. It's just simply saying, no, in your brain, that way of life is still an option. It's still on the table. And so it's time for the believer to move beyond the forgiven mindset. Well, I thought that was a good thing. It is. But we are stopping short of everything God has for us. We're settling with the forgiven mindset that says, I've just got to get to another. I'm just going to come next week. I'm, I'm going to pray. God will forgive you. I'm just, oh God, forgive me, Lord Jesus. And we stop there being forgiven instead of free. I want to get the freedom mindset and not live in the forgiven mindset. Saying sorry is not repenting. Some of us are saying sorry, but we're not repenting. And that's why we're saying something at an altar, but then leaving and continuing in the sin and in the addiction. And God spoke to me this last week. He said, there are people you're going to be preaching to who are living from repentant prayer to repentant prayer. But he's not interested in only forgiving you. He wants to set you free. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 12 and 14 to 14, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have reached perfection. He wants you to know I'm not even, I'm not there myself, but I'm not, I'm not everywhere I want to be. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection that Jesus Christ possess, first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I'm not a perfect person. Preacher's not perfect. I know you knew that already. He says, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press, there's that press word again for the second time, on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul writes to this Philippian church and he lets them know, hey, walking this way, it's really tough at times. I'm not where I want to be. Not yet. It can be challenging to live for God at times and to live this way and discipline life. And he candidly writes, I'm not, I'm not at my goal yet. But he sheds some light on how to reach the goal. And he says, hey, the first thing is stop focusing on what happened last, last night, last week, last year. Forget the things that are behind you. 
And that's one of the biggest things for Christians sometimes. I can't ever be what God wants me to be because you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the story I bring in. Forget it. Well, that's easier said than done. No, 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 no. I'm saying it'll, it'll always be part of your testimony. But if you're looking backwards saying, but I'm never going to be what God wants me to be. Because back in 1984, back in 1991, back in 1987. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not looking backwards. I am looking forward and saying, okay, God, I'm forgetting the things which are behind me. And then he goes into the next thing. And I'm looking toward the future. I have an eternal mindset. I'm not going to just focus on my present location. Because sometimes when you repent, the location, not everybody repents and, and runs like the roadrunner. And they're just gone, okay? Sometimes you repent and it's like, oh, oh and you're like, gosh, I've been sitting here for three months. I'm still like only taking two steps. Hey, you're two steps further than you were three months ago. And so you got to make a decision. I don't focus on my present location. I got eternity in my view. And I'm saying, God, it's time for me to forget that stuff. It's time for me to focus on that and get my eternal mindset in place. But you know what? Sometimes still it's hard. And that's why Paul says two times in three verses, I press. What do you think press means? Press means to force or to push one's way, to seek urgently or contend, to exert pressure. I press, I press, I press. Sometimes as you're walking with God, it's not just going to be like, this is such a great life. I just love Jesus. Everything's great. Sometimes it's like, I'm not going anywhere. I quit. I'm going back to where I came from. What? Forget the things that are behind. You know why that's not an option? Lot's wife called out of Sodom and Gomorrah. She turned into a pillar of salt because to her, God was calling her out of something, into something else. But going back was still an option. You will never be what God wants you to be. You don't have to be perfect, but you will never be what God wants you to be if going back is still on the table for discussion. And he says, I'll tell you, Paul says, you want to know how to do this? Forget the, the, the things that are behind. Look forward with eternal mindset. And when you hit the tough times, just keep pressing. I press. I press toward the mark. It ain't always going to be easy, but I'm pressing. I'm pressing. This last week, I tried CrossFit for the first time. Anybody heard of CrossFit? Anyone? Okay. CrossFit is high-intensity, full-body workout. And for me, I'm like, I am going to try fight tooth and nail to, to, to not get old. And so I'm trying to figure out ways that I can make that happen. My best friend in the church is Isaiah. He, he, he thought that I was 25. So, so he, he, he's there's Israel. I'm sorry, Israel. I said Isaiah. Israel. He's, 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 he's my buddy. He said, he said I was 25. And so... But that's intense full body workout. And I guess I'm trying to fight it. No, but in the midst of all the craziness there in the full body workout, I looked up on the wall and there's a saying that says, when you are thinking about quitting, remember why you started. That needs to be something in the church because you're going to hit moments where something hit and you just the path. I thought I was had an open path. Now there's an obstacle in the way. It's time to press. It's time to press. It's time to press. It's time to press. It's not time to give up. I forgot the things that are behind. My mindset's focused on eternity. And until I get there, I'm pressing forward. Until I get to that moment, I'm pressing forward. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I said, I'm here to declare to you my path is over in you. Come on. 
And so if you're here today or you're watching online and you've just been thinking, I'm giving up, I just keep praying. This. Don't give up. Keep pressing. God wants to forgive you of every single thing that's in your past. You've got a history of things. There are things that you could say, man, there's some things. I would tell people there's others I don't want anybody to know ever. It was in the privacy of my own life, my own home. I don't want anybody to know. No one in the world knows those things. And don't ever ask me to tell them because I don't want to tell them. That's fine. You don't have to, but if you, if you find an altar and you tell a Savior, God, I did this, and I watched this, and I participated in this, and you were there with me through the whole thing, and I'm sorry to think about that, but thank you for your love and grace, because I don't deserve it, but I need you to step into my life right now, and I need you to wash away my sins. I need you to forgive me of every ugly thing that I'm laying on the altar this morning. And he already promised he will forgive you. He's faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. We see throughout the whole Bible, he pursues sinners just like you and I. But he doesn't want you to stop there. He, his will is not for you to live from one repentant prayer to another. His will is not for you to say, sorry today, go do it tonight, show back up in the morning. That's not his will. His will is to say, I will forgive you, confess and forsake it. Now that I've forgiven you, let me make you free and so understand you're never going to be free without repentance you must be willing to turn and that's what repentance is second chronicles said god would hear us from heaven and he said that he would he would forgive his people when they turn from their wicked ways repentance is necessary for salvation but as i'm wrapping this up god revealed to me a powerful tactic of the enemy in prayer the enemy's desire is for the children of God to live forgiven. What? Excuse me? Sinners who are just out there, they know they're out there and they're, they're not, a lot of them aren't, aren't happy. They're looking for something. Saints who sit on pews and feel forgiven usually pretty good about themselves I'm in church I serve I give I pray I'm forgiven and God says to me in praises the enemy's desire is for children of God to live forgiven but not free because forgiven people go to church the enemy is not afraid of you going to church We feel, we feel good about ourselves. We made it today. Some of us got kids. It was tougher than others. You're like, oh, my God. Thank God I at least got here. I needed to pray through on the way out, on the way over. And I was about to lay hands on my kids and have them pray through. We might say that, right? <laughs> but forgiven people sit in services and sit in churches. That don't scare the enemy. Free people. When you hear a message that you don't just say amen and you go back, God, I'm sorry, and go back and return to those addictive substances and mentalities. You carry it out, and even though you want to believe it, there's something in you that can't, you can't teach Bible studies and make disciples and go reach lost souls and say, God will deliver you. I'm telling you, God will set you free because something in you is going, yeah, right. No one knows. What you're snorting and shooting and drinking and watching. You're phony. You're fake. You can preach this all you want. But you ain't living it. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, Jesus. And we just keep going back. And it just limits who you are in Jesus Christ. That's why the enemy says, get forgiven. Don't scare me. But freedom, that freaks the enemy out. Because when a child of God approaches an altar and says, God, I'm so sorry. And I am so sick and tired of living this way. And I know that I've done it for years and society says that I'm a recovering alcoholic and I need to go to AA and I'll never, I'll never, I'll always be an alcoholic. 
I'm not knocking, hey, it'll help. You know, there's some stuff you can go through and some thinking processes, and it can be, it can be good. But I'm not in full agreement. An alcoholic will not always be an alcoholic. A pervert doesn't always have to be a pervert. A drug addict doesn't always have to be a drug addict. When a child of God says unto an altar, God, I got, I got no excuses. You know about the trauma, the things I dealt with, the things I dealt with growing up. God, forgive me of my sins. But right now, there's something in my mind that I'm changing the way I'm thinking. Because I know it might have just been 24 hours ago as I was participating in some of those stuff. But for me, I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I'm here to declare to you my past is over in you. All things are made new. Surrendered my life to Christ and I'm moving, moving forward. I'm not, I'm not going back. It's not, it's not an option. I'm going to be a, a pillar of salt. God called me out of that lifestyle. It's not an option to go back to the alcohol. It's not an option to go back to the drugs. It's not an option to go back to the pornography. It's not an option. It's not something that I'm going to ride. I'm not, I'm not going to walk my dog by the tree in the garden anymore. If I need to, I'm going to find a different, a different direction. I'm going to find a detour. If I usually walk down that road and I go past that way, then guess what? I'm not going down that road anymore because I crossed the tree. No, there's some things in me that it's not an option. When that lady said, that's not my, that's not my wife, says, hey, sh- give me a text sometime. No, no, shoot me, give me a call sometime. No, that's not an option. It's not an option to go online at 2 in the morning. It's not an option to hit the bars anymore. That there's something in me that when I repented of my sin, I didn't take it back up. I am now free. I'm not just forgiven. I am free. I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. And when tough times get tough, I'm going to keep pressing. Hear me. Hear me person who has been dealing with addiction. God wants to set you free. The first step is he wants to forgive you. He wants to wash away your sins. But you don't have to say, yeah, but I'm just going to do it again. Don't do that. Don't say that. There has to be a mindset change that says, you know what? I may have had some setbacks. I may have tripped so many times that I finally just said I can't do this. But there has to be something in me that says my setback is a setup for a comeback. I'm going to get myself up off the ground and I'm not going to try like I had it all together all these years. I have messed up over and over and over again. But God wants to take your mess and make it a message. Your story is not over. The rest of your chapters will be determined by your direction. But you have got to be willing to say, I repent, but I'm also not going to go back. I am I am not content to be just forgiven. I want to be free. And so I invite you to stand to your feet because I'm going to get ready to do something. If you're a guest, we know Normally just open an altar and you'll find a place to pray. Today, this is different. It's different, and I'm okay with being different, and hopefully you are too. If not, come back next week, and we'll get back to some sense of normalcy. But here's what I want to do. I invite every human being, as many as possible, to just stretch out, to come up to this altar. If you need to, go down the side aisles. I invite you all to come to the front because I'm not going to say, okay, raise your hand. If you're the person who's dealing with addiction, if you're the person who's struggling with something, come on. I'm inviting you all to come to the front. Ain't nobody going to make you do anything you're not comfortable with, I promise. I promise. Ain't nobody going to say, now who's struggling? Raise your hand. No, that's right. That's why we're all coming up. Because if I would have said, oh, just come on up here if you're struggling with, nobody wants to do that. Because you know why? There are things in our lives that are secret sins that are holding us back. But we don't want anybody to know that they're there. You don't have to let everybody know, but God's getting ready to take care of something right here, right now. And the first thing he's going to do is he wants to forgive you.
And so I'm inviting you right now. I'm going to begin to lay down. What's a prayer of forgiveness? Like the sinner's prayer. No, 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 no. It's not something I wrote down and you repeat after me. Okay? No. Sinner's prayer is your prayer. You talk to God however you want. One person might say, oh, thou God of Jacob. Cool. Sound? Go ahead. Another person might be like, man, I'm an idiot. God, I don't know what to do. I keep screwing up. Like, fine. That's a sinner's prayer. And right now we are about to pray that God's mercy and grace and blood will begin to wash over us because every human being just brought sin to this altar. And so before freedom, there has to be repentance. And so right now, I just want you to begin to lift your voice. And when you pray, don't go the, don't, don't go the cheap way. Oh, God, forgive me of all my sins. God, forgive me of all my sins. No, 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 no. That'd be like me getting my wife mad, and I go to my wife, hey, well, sorry for everything I've done wrong then. That ain't going to work out real well. God, Lord, I'd, I've been taking prescription medicine, and I'm taking more than I need trying to put myself to sleep. God, I, I don't want to keep doing this. God, I've been waking up when my family goes to sleep. I'm, I'm looking at things online that, God, I, I don't belong looking at. God, I've been going and I've been sneaking off the bars. I, I'm telling everybody I quit smoking. And I feel like there's just, there's just this thing that I, I just, I can't seem to break free. I just, I keep looking to it, God. And I just, God, I get angry and I just start cussing. I start punching things and I feel like I can't control my anger. God, I need you right now. Forgive me, Jesus. Whatever it is, okay. Be real. Verbalize those things. And right now, just begin to ask, oh, yeah, but they're so bad. Yeah, but what he did was so powerful. And so right now, begin to close your eyes and just begin to talk to him, Jesus. God, please forgive us. Oh, God, there is sin at this altar today. Father, we are human beings, Jesus. But God, we don't stand here because we're on our own merit and we're trying to say, well, look at me. Well, I've done this. Well, I think I deserve this. No, the only thing that I deserve is death. I don't deserve anything good. By your grace, you took on flesh and you died on a cross and you let someone put nails in your hands and your feet so that blood would, would just begin to stream down a wooden cross and onto a hill called Calvary. And that blood was shed so that a group of men and women and children could stand here and they could raise hands and kneel and they could shed tears and talk to you about our faults and our failures and our shortcomings and where we've been tripping up and it seems like it's some of the same stuff over and over. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. Cleanse us, Lord. We're sorry, Lord Jesus. We're turning right now. We're turning away from sin. We're turning toward you. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of unrighteousness. These addictions, these, these, these faults, these things that we keep turning back toward, we keep returning to them. And we're trying, we've tried for years with our own power to break free. But it seems like it's not getting us anywhere. But Lord, I know that something's getting ready to transpire. But first, I need you to forgive me. I need you to wash us away those sins. I need you, Lord God, to accept my repentance today. Oh, don't. It ain't going to happen with a closed mouth. I'm telling you, ain't nobody here listening to you. There's people praying all over the place. Begin to speak words. Begin to speak words. Don't do it with tight lips, keeping your mouth closed. Begin to talk to Jesus Christ and say, God, I'm sorry. God, this is real repentance right now. I am so sorry.